Hi folks, welcome to Time to Talk with Claire Steele. I've got to say, I've been so excited about recording this podcast and talking to Claire um, about birds and bird dogs and just working as a falconer and working a dog and a bird together. It's just something that I've been so thrilled to be able to sit down for an hour and talk about. So um, get yourself a cup of settle down and listen to Time to Talk with Claire Steele. Take care, stay safe and enjoy the podcast. Bye. Hi folks, I'm here with the lovely Claire Steele from Waggy Tail Farm and we're going to talk all about dogs and birds. I've got to say I was, I've been really excited for the last few days uh, about talking to you Claire because birds after dogs, birds and horses are my favourite things. Ah. yeah I love birds of prey I've done I've hand done handling sessions and things like that and I just ah. they're so amazing so you come from a long line of falconers don't you yes so started with my granddad and has gone all the way through the generation so every member of my family is is a falconer actually including my children do falconry as well <laughs> oh my goodness how old are your kids so now they are, so Freya, she is 13 and Bella is 12. So but they've been doing, they've been bringing the young birds on for us since they were young toddlers, really. So they've always been involved in it. Um, and I've got lots of videos where Freya be sat with a bird doing homework and things like that. So it's just something that we've always been brought up with. That's awesome. I mean, I can remember seeing Kez when yeah. I was a kid. And do you remember? Uh, yes. I think that's where, where it started, you know, um, mm. love of birds of prey. So you, you started really young. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I cannot remember. I mean, I can never remember not having birds, to be honest. And my girls won't either. It's just something that we've always had in the family and the, and the collection's just grown over time, really. Um, and the range of birds that we do is, is grown over time. So, but we absolutely love it. It's something that we're really passionate about and something that we've always done. It, it's always been our family thick. So um, it's important to carry on that tradition for us. Um, and like I say, every, I mean, my brother's children, they do falconry. I mean, little Alfie, he's um, nearly five now and he can, he's starting to handle the birds and things. So it's just something that will always go down generations for us. That's awesome. So have you got, um, what, what kind of birds have you got? I know you've got birds of prey, but what, you know, what breeds? What oh, well, we've got a big range because we have 86 in the collection. So um, we've got eagles, we've got falcons, hawks, owls, um, a, a wide spectrum. We've got hybrids, so crossbreeds. Carl, my partner, he, he runs a breeding programme. Um, so we breed birds for racing and abroad and things like that. So we have a very wide range of, of birds here. Wow. What eagles have you got? So we've got golden and step. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I'm just sitting here, like, mouth open going, oh, my God, you've got eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad, he's, he's got a cara cara. Um, he likes to do, he te he's taught that to do all sorts of tricks. They're a very intelligent bird. So he's done all sorts of tricks with that one as well. Um, but they're just, they're just brilliant. And I think 
um, you know, if you can have them and give them an outlet for what they do in the wild, then I think that's how it should be. I'm not, we're not ones for just keeping birds for the sake of it. I think they should have an outlet for, for the natural behaviours, the same as I think dogs should. So um, we sort of keep that. They are very much, you know, especially when the young birds, very much part of our family. You know, before they fledge, they're roaming around the farm, just walking around the farm, getting used to everything. Um, you know, so they're around the dogs all the time from being young chicks and they just roam around freely as they want to, you know, until they start fledging and then we start looking at putting a little bit of control in, you know, <laughs> so we're not having to chase them around and start the training then. But before they start their training, they're free to just, you know, chill out on the farm and roam around and they just follow us around. Oh my goodness, that's just, oh, my, my head's just going tick, 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 tick. So, um, <laughs> When I was little, I was a I was a horsey girl. I was a horsey gal, and um, you know you see all of these. Uh, I don't know how old you are, so we I think we're a completely different generation, Claire. But I grew up on like Sunday afternoon matinee films, you know Danny Kaye and Bob Hope and all the other kind of blanks. So you probably got no idea what I'm talking about. But things like Danny Kaye, you know, and um, the Court Jester is what I'm thinking of, and you would see these really lavish productions and very, um, you know, musical and, and quite twee looking back on them, but amazing. And they would always have the gentry on horses with a bird on their arm. You see, a hooded bird on their arm. Yes. The, the men would have these big menly birds and the women would have these little birds. And so what, where, where does all of that come from? Before we move on to dogs and birds but you know because I've always thought oh god it would be amazing to ride side saddle on a horse and have a bird on my arm but yeah well, the thing from. is hunting with birds has been done for years and years and years I mean it's a very very old tradition I mean it would be your falcons that are hooded um because you keep their hoods on really until you're ready to hunt them you know it's a bit like a horse having its I mean I'm not the best of horses I have to say but it's like a horse having its little blinkers on I yeah. suppose when you see them it's a bit like that um, and then you sort of de-hood them when they're ready for working um, so that would be to keep the bird calm that's why they have their hoods on right um, but yeah, but I mean, it's I mean, it's a very old tradition, isn't it, falconry? I mean, it's been around for a hell of a lot of years. Yeah. I mean, and it's a very the falconry community. I think is um, you know, it's a very you know, people do share information and things like that. We find it a very friendly community, the falconry community, and people is always willing to give advice. I mean, we're certainly like that. You know, if it's a new person starting out. You know, when they're wanting some advice, you know, we give a lot of advice out to new starters because I think it's important that they learn how to do it properly from the beginning. You yeah. know, because it is important that they're not just flown on a line. They do need to be flown free, you know, and, and it's important that people learn how to do that training, really. Same as with dogs, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah start them right. Start them right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are all birds... Are, um, when when you take a bird out, are, all, are all the different types of birds hooded before you? No, no, no. Just, so, just falcons are hooded. Yeah, um, hawks are not hooded. Um, your hawks would, um, you know, they're more, especially your Harris hawks. They tend to fly. We well, we fly them as a cast now, um, but they're very much a pack mentality. So yeah. they'll sort of follow on and follow the bird on. Um, and they watch the birds very closely. And then obviously when the bird, the dog flushes the bird or then 
come in and take over. Um, but they very much work as a team. Yeah, but they're my favourite. Are they? <laughs> yeah, they're my because they've they've got the pack pack mentality, the same as dogs, and so for yes. I can really relate to the Harris Hawk in the way that I relate to dogs because yes. the hunting family groups, don't they? So, oh yeah, the hunting family groups wow. and. They're lovely. They they are a lovely bit, and they're you know a good starter bird. So when I get when our children start, um, that element of it, they always start with a Harry Salk, and then so they'll bring bring them on until they're ready for hunting, and then we'll hunt them hard through the season, and then the girls can take back over until they're ready to be doing the hunting. Because obviously, once they get to that age when they're ready to start killing and hunting, they need to have an outlet for that. So it's important that they get that outlet, you know, to, to steady them down and give them an outlet for that sort of behaviour. Um, and then when the girls are at an age when they can actually do that part, then that they do that. I mean, Freya came out with us last season. She's 13 now. Um, and she loved it. So, yeah, it's all, it's all part of it, really. And so how old are the birds when they're ready to start uh, going out hunting? How old are the birds? Well, it de- to be honest, it, again, I think that's a bit, it depends on the on the bird. <laughs> so it's the same with dogs, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. It when really your dog's depends. ready, you take it out. Yeah, they obviously need to be fully feathered, um, and they need to be so. It's a bit like a dog going into adolescence, I suppose. Um, <laughs> they sort of, you know, get a bit ready to, you know, to do a bit extra, and it does depend on the individual birds and how that's developed, really. Because you don't want to put them out too soon and you don't want to leave it too long. So it is an individual bird thing, I would say. Okay, so, but, um, oh my goodness, my head's just buzzing, Claire. I've not been like this interview with somebody before. So you've got, you've got your, young, your young chick and then it becomes a fledgling and then you really start the training. And so what kind of training do you do with them? Oh, well, that's so if, so if you're bringing on a young bird, you would bring it on with an older, steadier dog. Okay, so you don't, we don't bring on um, young dogs with young birds because obviously, you know, you're building confidence up. You don't want anything to be spooking your young bird the same as you don't want to be spooking your young dog. So if you're bringing on a young pup, you'd be using an older, steadier bird because there's a lot to get used to. I mean, there's the noises, there's the flapping, there's the fast moving. You know, so if you think about the things and then you've got all your social element of it. So obviously the environment and, and things like that and different people. And, you know, so there's a lot of elements. We take a hell of a lot of time over that. It's important to get that right. So we spend a lot of time feeding them together. So, for example, you'll have um, your birds sat on the glove feeding and you'll have your little pups sat at the side of you having their, their breakfast. Uh-huh. So and we get them sharing food as well. So they become part of a team. So if we, you know, we've got some meat and we'll take, we'll put it in the dog's bowl and then take it from the dog's bowl and give it to the bird. So they're sort of sharing. So they've got that mentality of sharing and becoming a team. Um, we spend a lot of time just being nice and calm together. You know, so we'll often be sat watching telly, have our bird on one arm, dog settled at the side of us on the other, you know, so just chilling and not being over erratic together. But at the same time, birds have got to get used to dogs doing their wiggly, you know, moving, especially when they're young dogs, you know, because there's a big safety element to this. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not just people think about dogs injuring birds, but birds of prey oh yes cause a lot of damage um to dogs so you know 
you really don't want to have any issue from the beginning. So it's important that you take your time over these things and don't rush. That's the, the biggest problem I've ever seen with when things have gone a little bit wrong is because people rushed it. You know, and I think yeah. it's taking your time to do all that work first is is very important before you even think about going out with your dog and your bird. Um, so I do a lot now. I mean, obviously, when we when I was growing up, there was a lot of the traditional methods of dog training. You know, that's how, how it was done, you know, when I was growing up. And then, obviously, since then, things have developed. I mean, I do a lot of placement board training now with the with the young dogs, um, you know, and just teaching them to be still around the birds and, and things like that. So that development of them together um, is something you've really got to work on. They've got to have a super bond, you know, and they've got, they've got to be a lot of trust there before you can work them together. So what about um, before you get to that stage, though? So I'm just thinking, um, you know, when you've got a young dog, in an older dog and you you make sure that both dogs are trained sufficiently before you then start bringing them together and working them as a team is that true you do a lot of work with a bird before you consider bringing it to the dog or is the education done alongside the dog alongside the schoolmaster dog yeah so it's done alongside it so so if you so say you've, you've got your young pup uh-huh. young spaniel or hpr or whatever then we would be using the older steadier birds that's got some experience of working with dogs anyway let's uh-huh. grow that dog's confidence yeah um because you don't want one that's super duper noisy or anything like that and obviously your imprint so your hand raised birds they are very noisy until they've been hunted hard and then they start to quieten off so you okay. want, so you wouldn't want to be using a very noisy bird with a young puppy you know to start with so you want a nice sort of well-rounded bird to be starting with and it's going to be nice and said that it's going to grow that that puppy's confidence but at the same time that's how I would work with the you know a young bird and a steady dog you don't want to have a young bird and a, a dog being all erratic around it straight away do you know what I mean you, yeah, you, I you've got to, to build that up so um so yeah so that's that's how we do it we would never do young dog and young bird i think that that's a mis- it, but not so much but it's sort of a bit of a misunderstanding i think that we've seen quite a few times because people will get their bird and they get the dog and they're like right <laughs> this is what we're going to do um, yeah <laughs> yeah but it's but it's not um you know if you want long-term success it's important you either take your time to train your your, your bird first or you train your dog first and that do you, can you see what i mean yeah i do because you need that steadying influence for a young animal don't you you need like, a young dog out shooting not a young dog rather a novice dog out shooting you normally have an old hand sitting beside them that they yeah. can watch and follow you know the older dog looks up in the air and the young dog goes what are you looking at then and then eventually yeah. they've got none that they're supposed to be looking off so i suppose it's yeah. that kind of thing is that it is yeah it's very much that i mean we do pair obviously young puppies that come in we'll pair them up with older dogs to learn them and things like that um but i would say you know certainly to anybody that's starting out with it and do one and then do the other so if you you know if you're starting out in falconry get to know your falconry before you start trying to train a dog at the same time unless you know what you're doing with the dog you know um because both elements are very tricky and it's something that takes a lot of time and you need to take your time over it to make sure that there's no accidents when when you're out and back it's very fast when you're out there working 
you know, your dog has certainly got to stop when you blow that whistle. Do you know what I mean? You don't want it running in on your birds and things like oh. that. So, you know, it's, it, it's important because when it's all fast moving and that dog flushes and that bird's in, you need to know 100% that that dog's going to stop unless you're going to release it to go with the bird. So sometimes, if obviously, because sometimes, especially falcons, can travel long distances. So some people will have their dogs running in with their bird. The bird will take the kill and the dog will sit at the side. So watching over the bird, uh -huh. for, uh, you know, against predators and things like that. Mm -hmm. wow. so, so, yeah, so the element of training... Um, and that that relationship, I mean, I can't say that, that relationship between that dog and bird, you know, has, has got to be so strong and trusting that before you even think about, you know, involving any sort of game or, <laughs> or anything like that. Because obviously pack mentality can take over if you're not careful, you know. And then you've got the whole resource guarding issue as well, haven't you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's important, to, you know, to to take your time and work it through and make sure you've got all your training. It's like with your HBR, your pointers, you know, you need them to hold a point for a long, long time. If it, you know, you cast your bird up and it's and that bird's waiting on, you know, you, that dog's got to wait until that bird's ready to strike, you know, so they've got to hold for quite some period of time. If, you're, if your dog's working at great distance, you know, sorry, that's the phone. <laughs> you've got you've got to be able to hold that point, you know, for a long period of time until your bird casts down to uh -huh. take the game. So, so there's a lot of steadiness involved and there's a lot of making sure that they're definitely, you know, listening. Um, we have trackers on the birds and the dogs as well um, because, like I said, they do, they do travel. So the birds have little backpacks on. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, so they have little backpacks on um, because obviously they can travel some distance so we always make sure they've got trackers on and the same as yeah. the dogs do well um and also fitness wise you know your birds have got to be super duper fit i mean we we our falcons will train to a law and then they'll be trained to a kite and a road crow as well so um so they've got to be super fit in terms of waiting on you know you can't expect them to do the job it's like you know and you know a runner trying to do a marathon before you've done a 5k you know you've got to make sure that your bird is super duper fit um so there's a lot of element of that involved as well the same as your dog has to be fit too yeah no i'm really i'm really hot on the, as you know like age appropriate training and making sure the dogs are fit for purpose Mm. You, don't, you don't introduce them too young to things from a psychological perspective but also from a physical perspective we don't want to yes. stress the body because then the dogs oh. can't work correctly and they end up shortening the life of your dog so yeah you 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 because you use loads of technical terms there so i'm familiar with some of them but people who are listening won't be so mm -hmm. the, the lure that's what you start them on and that's the thing that you kind of swing <laughs> <laughs> swing and then there's a yeah. whole oh, something when you release it so you tell me about the lure because i know people are starting to use lures and flirt poles with dogs yes and they don't necessarily understand how they work certainly in relation to like hprs you would use a lure or a flirt pole very differently with the hpr to what you would with like a german shepherd for example um, yes so how would you what's the point of the lure for the bird as well as fitness because you just mentioned it from a fitness perspective 
Yeah, so what you do is you start teaching them to strike the law while it's on the ground, yeah, uh -huh. to start with, and then you'll start building the height of that so they can learn to strike as the law's up in the air. Right, so it's, it's that teaching them to catch uh, on the wing. Yes, because if a parent bird was teaching a young bird, what they would do is the parent bird would go up, yeah, and drop the food, and the young bird would come in and catch it. Ah, yeah. Okay. So what we have to do is simulate that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we start on the law by the striking on the floor, uh -huh. but then we need to make that higher so they learn to strike higher up. Uh -huh. Yeah. Then we can get so then you'll be at the point where you throw your law, you've probably seen that, throw yeah, your law strike yeah. in there. Yeah. But then we have a kite with a release mechanism on it. Yeah. And so we can put the kite up and release the food up there and the bird will go up to it. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously you've got your old crows and things like that now. Um, but that's how you get, that's how you get them. That's the point. So the law is a basically a starting point for us. Um, and probably for a lot of people with, you know, that do falconry, it's your starting point in teaching them the strike and the catch. Yeah, because, you know, they can be clumsy when they're first starting out. So, you know, it's just like dogs when they're all gangly. You've got, you know. <laughs> so it's just a case of, you know, getting that precision because obviously you want them to strike, you know, cleanly, you yeah. know, from an ethical point of view. So, you know, we, we need to, you know, to train that in. Some some birds are clumsier than others. So, uh -huh. so yeah, so that's how, we, that's how we start that process off. So that's where the law comes in for us. God, that's brilliant. And um, have you, Craig, my head's just buzzing. So have you got a preferred breed of bird to work for you personally? Or that you prefer well, training? Yeah, everybody in the, I, I think everybody in the family's got all different ones, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I personally like goshawks. Like what? I like goshawks goshawks okay uh -huh. i like to see goshawks hunting because they are so what's the word deadly is probably the wrong word but they're so keen they're like you know they they're on it if that makes sense they're very you know you need to know what you're doing with a goshawk because they're very strong-willed a lot of them um and it's certainly not a bird you'd start out um, if you're starting out, you'd like I say, you need to be thinking more of a Harry sort, to be honest. Um, but but goshawks, you know, are very keen, um, and uh, that we per well, me and Carl and my dad actually, we all all like goshawks. But pe from a falcon point of view, I don't think you can beat a peregrine. Okay. So you know, but Carl, he likes his jeers. Um, my dad likes his jeers as well. So you know, it's all. <laughs> It's personal preference, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, I can remember training at the cricket club years ago and we put down, um, there was loads and loads of red kites and buzzards. And there was, uh, at the time, they'd released some sea eagles on salt. Oh. Well, so we, the, I can remember when I first moved to Wiltshire, I was driving along and this blooming sea eagle came down and picked up some roadkill and off it went. And I kind of went, oh my God, what on earth was that? You know, this massive... <laughs> A massive wingspan um but we used to have uh, the kites and the buzzards when we were putting down rabbit balls 
that would come down, would, you'd put down a rubber ball for a memory. By the time you got the other end of the field, the birds would come down oh. and it, you know? <laughs> like, so funny, the poor chicks, you know? It's like, you supposed to bring me a rabbit and you brought me rubber. <laughs> so funny. I, I absolutely love birds of prey. And have you got a preferred breed of dog to work with them? So I haven't got a preferred breed, to be honest, because I think they all have a different role to play. Do you know what I mean? We don't, I mean, we don't, I mean, with the bird, we don't tend to use retrievers. It's, it's HPRs or, or Spaniels. I mean, Springers or Cockers. Um, okay. Mainly been Springers, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was brought up mainly with German short-haired pointers, but now we have four Vizslers. Um, okay, another so, Vizsla person. I seem to be surrounded by people who talk to me about Vizslas. I, mean, I love I, them. Really? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, th- I think they're lovely. Um, I think they're lovely dogs. They're good all. Ra- I think they're just a nice all-round dog, to be honest. Um, that, that that's what I like about them. They're nice natured. They've got a little bit of sensitivity to them, you yeah. know, um, which I think's nice. It's, well, it is when you're working with birds. You don't want, you know, a, a dog. You don't want a dog to be super duper strong. You want it to be, a, you know be a bit of a team player so so i, I do well, find so the hprs would be perfect for that because they do yeah. a lot of hunting information as well don't they yes yeah so we take i mean for us like i say it's mainly been the hprs but what, with spaniels um it's been um springer spaniels english springer spaniels uh-huh what and i've got a little i think i think i trained there was a falcon falcon eye years ago in tidworth and um I'm sure he used to use Brittany Spaniels. Is it, yeah. Is it, is it Brittany? I know quite a few falconers that have Brittany's. Uh-huh. We've never used them personally, but I do know quite a few that do. Yeah. And they, they seem to be in that all around. It's, it, again, it's just, I think it's just preference sometimes. Uh-huh. Do, do you know what I mean? I think that's what it is. And um, like I say, we've always sort of, I mean, we always, I mean, I've, I've never not, it's only been in recent years we've not had a German pointer, to be honest. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never, all grow, all my life growing up, we've always had a German pointer. Um, Long or short? Short. Okay. Yeah. And the, we've all, like I say, we've always had them. And we've always had them, because things have changed over the years, you see. See, when I was growing up, all our, our dogs were kenneled. You know, yes. and got them out and we worked them and they were kenneled. Well, all our visitors are inside. Do you That's know what I mean? Isn't it? So, you know, and they still can do the same job. You know, it's, it hasn't affected good to hear them. because, as you know, I've, put, I've pushed and pushed pet gun dogs for years and that you can have a really good relationship with your dog indoors and still work them. Um, yeah. And there's still people writing books that are saying you can't have a relationship with your dog if it lives indoors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's that you know, it's it's a bit. I mean, we've got. I mean, my little cocker. She has. Um, she's she's got an internal kennel. So within the house, I don't have her in the main part. But she, because I'm working with her, she's a very young dog. She's you know very erratic. So we're working on that at the moment. So she does. She does best to sort of you know in in to live in that, in that way. That's better for her. But the the vizslers, like I say, all of those. Are indoors, whereas I never had. In, growing up, we never had. 
we'd never had any of our working dogs inside. No. I mean, it's just not something that we would have considered, no. really. Um, and to be honest, when I first started my dog training career, and like when I used to go when the, with the Cambridge Institute and things like that, mm-hmm. I mean, when all them people, when they were saying about that all oh, the dogs were indoors, I was thinking, why would you have your dog inside? I thought that was all strange. You know, I, mean? <laughs> I was like, I honestly thought it was weird. I was like, you can't do that. So, but now all mine are inside. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> funny, isn't it? about the relationship with them, Claire, for being indoors? Yes, I think, especially with HPRs, yes. I think um, with the cocker, I think I have a better relationship with her that she has a, I mean, like I say, she's still in the house, but she has a a playpen area and things like that. She's running around in daycare at the moment in a sandpit. That's what she's doing at the moment. So she she has a very active life. Um, but yeah, so I think I, th- I do honestly think, especially like with the Vizslers, you know, I love, I mean, I have, you know, they sit with me on a night time and watching, t- and I love that. I love that. And, you know, and when we're bringing on the young birds and we can sit and we can have the birds in there with us and, you know, it, it, you got, yeah, I think you have a lot more time with them because you spend time in the house, don't you? I think I think it's a lot um, of pack bonding. I, I've only ever had my dogs in kennels when I lived in New Zealand and it was because we were renting and we couldn't, the landlord wouldn't let the dogs inside. And I found it um, quite soul destroying actually not to have my dogs at my feet. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you can remember Angus from, from the court. Yes, I can. And, you, you know, he was just, he hated being in a kennel. He He got quite depressed not being close to me, but he was an indoor dog before he was an outdoor dog and, right and he found it really difficult to be in a kennel and I did as well I must admit I found it quite difficult having them in kennels but I understand the cock thing having like an indoor kennel or a room away that the dog goes to because they're just they never stop do they they're constantly just either looking for a no I mean I'm, doing, I'm doing a lot of work thing and, yeah yeah I mean, I do a lot of work with her on just training her to be still at the moment, just yeah. just be calm. Um, but she's got obviously everything overstimulates her. So yeah. um, you know, when it comes to pairing her with the birds and things like that, everything in the house is just so over arousing for her. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And if I didn't have other dogs, if I you know, if I just we could just concentrate on her, you know, and you know, over a long period of time, yes, obviously you could you could train this in and everything else, but. For her, I just think for that particular dog, it's the best setup. Does that make sense? And she would get a lot more out of her training. Um, and like, for example, like I say today, because we have um, a daycare facility that runs on the farm. Um, my mum runs that. And um, our daycare, is, it's not just a free-for-all, all dogs run around and everything else. We're not Good. one of those daycares. Um, but it's um, we, my mum's got a beach area. Set. My mum used to work in a nursery. So she very much sets it up as if she was setting up a nursery. Oh, so with, so all the stimulation, sensory oh, stimulation. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole beach area out there. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a sandpit, water, water sprinklers. We've got a sniffy Fantastic. corner. So the, the, she's out there enjoying all the activities and learning her social skills with the other dogs and things like that. And then she'll get rid of some energy and then I'll bring her out and do some training, some placement board training. I'll sit with her with the bird for a little bit. And do you know what I mean? So we, we structure the day like that. Um, whereas my, I find with my busy, especially like my one that's three and a half, 
he's happy to be in the house, have a little blast, you know, on the big field, then do some work with birds. Do you know what I mean? And that, that worked best for him, you know. So I think they're all individual. Um, and I think you've got to adapt to that, haven't you? You, you definitely have to adapt. I mean, I've had uh, different... I, I've only very rarely had uh, more than one dog of the same breed at the same time. I've always like had different breeds in the house. And yes. you do, you know, when you're handling a like supercharged high energy dog and then you, you put that lead down and then you pick a very calm but very sensitive dog and then you put the lead down, pick a different type of dog up. And yeah. you definitely have to, you can only ever work with a dog at the end of the lead and you've got to adapt your training style and your mannerisms and your energy levels as well yeah. to complement yeah the dog at the end of the lead yeah definitely no, definitely no one size fits all um click and ask because I, I i'm although i'm passionate absolutely passionate about birds of prey and as i say i there's a, a world of wings is just up the road from me ah. cumbernauld and i'm i'm a frequent visitor I'm a frequent flyer when i can get up there i get up there and and they fly things like vultures and it's just having a vulture yeah. down over your head you know it's quite incredible um and i just find it absolutely fascinating but i know nothing uh, about working with them or definitely not working with them with the dog and i don't want to go on to dogs as well and um, because i know you, you do dog work away from birds as well don't you, you do yes training as well but before we yeah. go on to that can i just ask you what happens and how do you call it because i would say i'm going picking up i'm going shooting what do you call it when you're going out with your dog and you because there's no there's no guns and we just say we're going hunting so you're going hunting and yeah. how does how does it all happen how does how does a day unfold so if i was going picking up you know the beaters would go off first and then they'd beat the birds forward and the guns would stand because I do driven shoots and then they would shoot the birds and then the dogs would pick them up and so how does the day unfold with the birds starting from you're getting in the car what, what happens right well you get in the car and but by the time that obviously you make sure you your bird was used to a car and things like that so, oh, so we've got, got, we've got we've got a fully trained a fully trained yes. dog and a you've, fully trained bird yes, so we're not we're not cut, you know. We're not cutting any corners. We've spent ages developing the bond um, between the dog yes. and the bird, and they're both trained individually and they're trained as a team. Yes. So and the first is. thing we do when um, we, I mean, this is how things have changed as well. See, traditionally, when we used to go out, you'd expect the dogs to go straight into the environment and be working straight away. Yeah, but what we tend to do a bit now is you get there and you just let them take in the environment a little bit, you know, let them settle in a little yeah. bit, calibrate um, yours. Yeah, let's yeah. just, you know, take in the environment, think about what we're doing a little minute, get the silliness out, you know, and then start working. So, I actually think that first initial part of settling in is quite important, and you tend to find you get a lot more um, kills if you allow that to happen, yeah. So that's what we do uh, when we first get there. So we just, you know, have the, the um, obviously the bird on the glove um, and the dog will be sat at the side of us and let them just take it on it. Yeah? yeah. And then, so depending on what you're working. So if you was working a falcon, obviously you've got to think of the weather and the thermals and things like that. So if you was working a falcon, you would um, send your bird up. Yeah, so you'd cast your bird up. Uh -huh. And let that start 
you know, rising and things yeah. like that. And let it be waiting on, yeah? Then you cast your dog off to hunt. So you'd let your dog be starting hunting. So if you was working um, a HPR in this instance, obviously you cast them off to hunt and let them get on with the job. Um, very much, we don't tend to interfere too much by that time. Obviously the dog knows how to hunt. You don't need to be overhandling. Let them get on what they're bred to do. Yeah, I know you, I see a lot of people that like to handle, but I think it's important that you let them get on with it. Yeah, because they do know what they're doing by this point. Um, and then what you do is um, your dog would come on point. Uh-huh. Yeah. You'd then obviously be paying attention to what your bird's doing. So if your bird's ranged out a bit too far away from your dog, uh-huh. you want to be calling your bird in a little bit back closer. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's paying attention to what's, go- what's, what's going on a little bit. Yeah. So we whistle for the birds. Some, some, some we do. Some will use verbal. Uh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that that's variable. So um, your your dog would be on point. Yeah, you'd make sure your bird was ready, waiting on. Yeah, you'd then ask your dog to flush up. You would then send your bird in uh-huh. and stop your dog. Wow. So it's got to be, but that see that's what I mean. See, it all happens very quick. Yeah. So you've got, it's, you know, it sounds when you're talking about it like it's all very slow. Well, split second, split it's, second. Okay, split second, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, just the speed of the birds. I mean, forget how fast the dogs are. The speed of the birds coming in is just like, oh, yeah. wow. That stop has got to be a stop. Do you know what I mean? You don't want any, that's why the, the training element of that is so, so important. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Because if you, think about that from a dog's point of view you know and their natural instincts you've got a bird coming in at speed you know what I mean so you know any dog you know you've got a tendency to chase and things like that you've got to be sorting that out straight away because you, you don't want that happening do you know what I mean so it's got to be a, a stop basically yeah now if I've got a dog there that's um, a keen retriever you know, I will then get, let the, let the um, obviously the bird get the kill, but then I might put a retrieve out, you know, over there for uh-huh. the for the dog, you it's know, it, yeah. as a reward, you know, so because some some dogs, they're happy just to hunt and point and flush, do you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's yeah. their but they just like doing that. But you get the odd one that really, really likes the retrieve. Uh-huh. Yeah, so so I think if you've got a dog like that, you don't want him to lose momentum with that. No. So then, you know, we'll put a retrieve out and let them have a little retrieve through uh-huh. all that work that they've done. And then what do you do? So the bird's made the kill, the dog's got a retrieve. What do you do? Do you go then take the kill off the bird or what happens next? Yeah, so you don't, so with falcons, they obviously, and hawks, they have a crop. Yeah, so if you, obviously you don't want them to be, eating all the way through the day yeah so um what we do is we'd swap them back so you don't take your kill away from your bird because that's going to get you into trouble yeah <laughs> so what you do is you swap it so we'd have the glove and have a little bit of food on the glove and swap it yeah yeah so because you know especially a gossel would have no problem with you you know coming and giving you a little jab just because you took its food off it so you need to yeah you need to make sure that you you've got that balance right because they've got to trust you so we do a little swapping onto the glove 
Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, the, obviously, by this time, your dog's done the retrieving. You've got the dog sat up at the side of you, and then you've got your bird away, and then you're ready to go off again. That is amazing. So what do you hunt with them, Claire? So, dep- again, depends on, on the bird. So the falcons, it's all your sort of game birds, so pheasant, partridge. Depends what land we go to and things like that. Um, with your hawks, we'll go rabbiting. Uh-huh. You know, because hawks are like, and you know, they'll have no problem with your rabbit. So with hawks, we tend to go out rabbiting with them. Okay. And it's all food for the birds. So that's what they're hunting for the food, like the wood in the wild. Uh-huh. And would, would you, you ever know. take, you know, the pheasant and have it for your dinner as well? Or is it going straight back to the birds? No, we always give it to the birds, to be honest. Um, the, I mean, they hit it so hard. I mean, you know, it's... Oh, okay, so, so it would have to be casserole. You couldn't put it out like a roast yeah, pheasant. You'd no, have to chop it up no, and curry. No, being hit at that speed's a bit, you know. <laughs> so, no, we tend to um, use it as bird food, basically. And any bones and things like that we give to the carrot carries. Oh, wow, okay. So what about the eagles? Did you do any hunting with the eagles? No, because we've not, enough, we've not really got enough ground up here for the eagles, to be honest. Um, we, we fly them, obviously, but we don't hunt with them here. Um, I mean, you're in Scotland, aren't you? So you'll, be, yeah. you'll have loads of ground up there. But no, we don't. I mean, the eagles mainly is a breeding programme that we run with them. Um, and we fly, we do fly them free, but we don't hunt them. God, it's just amazing. I could just talk to you all day about birds. It's just awesome. So what do you do with, um, is there anything else you want to say about birds before I start talking to you about dogs? Although I'm sure I'll be back on birds in five minutes. No, the only other thing I was thinking with, because obviously you've got the choice here with your stock. Now I said to you, you've either got your stock whistled there, uh-huh. or what you can do is let the dog go with the with the bird oh yeah yeah and the bird will strike and get the kill then you blow your stock whistle and your dog will sit up at the side of your bird okay but so is your dog still moving as the bird comes in for the strike yeah so it's like it's a it's sort of a long like you know alongside each other sort of thing Uh and then your bird will strike and you blow your stock and that is really that is a respect and a trust thing is that do you know what I mean? Because, wow. you know, your dog's going to let your, ber- your bird have that kill. Yeah. Isn't it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And that dog's really got to listen to your stop whistle and say, actually, that's not yours. Do you know what I mean? So it, it is, it, that's a real team effort, is that? It, that's, it's so lovely to see that happen because that's such a respectful thing. Do you know what I mean? Especially like when, you know, your bird's eating and you've got your dog sat up at the side. Yeah. I think it's lovely that. It is. It's amazing. And um, I mean, the bond that between the dog and the bird and the respect between them to be able to do that. I mean, I've been on shoots where, um, you, you know, there's a bit of argy-bargy over birds. So when you, you're picking up at the end, you know, you're sweeping up the field and two dogs get to the same bird at the same time. And there's a bit mm. of, you know, back off kind of thing. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, you can't have that with a dog and a bird because they would both be... Well, yeah. Yeah, and that's that goes back. That's all about your early training and your time you spend with them as a team. That goes. That's that all comes from that element, and that's why it's so important to take your time over that. My goodness! So how how um how long would you be working the birds? You know, years like year wise. What what's they 
um, what's their working life consist of. So you, you go through adolescence and then you start training them and then you have them solidly trained, ready to start hunting. How long would the birds hunt for? Because generally we'll work dogs until, depending on breed, you, you know, I mean, you can have a Labrador out for an occasional um an occasional drive when they're 14 you know just to keep just to keep them happy and keep them contented and so well how does that work with the birds you know how long do they go however long the bird will will go for however long they're happy to keep going for okay basically on average yeah you i mean no no if i mean if they start to slow down i mean i mean obviously i mean they live to a good i mean we've got some owls here that are 20 odd year old Wow. You know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, age-wise, but they, but you, you work them wherever they can work because at the end of the day, that's what that's what had happened in the wild. They wouldn't think, oh, I'm not going to eat anymore, so I'll just not bother. <laughs> do, you know I mean? so, no, I do you know what you mean? Yeah. Not like no. the dogs. <laughs> not like the dogs. Come on, feed. No. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realise they had owls as well. Sorry, Claire, what did you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing with the birds. I mean, yes, obviously, we're going to feed them if they don't get their own food. But, you know, you're working on the basis of what they do in the wild. So you want them hunting for their own food, really, don't you? Yeah, um, You know, to keep them occupied. So, uh, yeah, but we have, um, yeah, we have a range of owls. Always had owls. Oh, how amazing. So do you do anything with them? Do you use them for displays? Or do you, um, is it? We used to do a lot of these things, but now obviously we've combined, we've, we've, put, we've bought the farm and we're doing mainly all, all of that now. So um, the birds, the owls obviously get flown every day, uh-huh. but training an owl, training a hawk and a falcon is quite different um, because owls don't have a crop. So the food goes straight into their stomach. So your training time is very small oh, um, because... Good. They just get full very quick. Yeah, too many treats and game over. Yeah, they're like, no, I'm not moving now. I'm full. So, <laughs> so which is fine. Um, so, and they tend to be a little bit more stubborn as well, to be honest. Um, but, they're very, I mean, they're very sociable. I mean, you know, our girls, I've got pictures of my girls, you know, and they have the little dolly pushchairs and they've got the little owl babies sat in there and they're walking them around and, you know, it's always good at show and tell. You know? <laughs> I bet. I bet. What have you got? Oh, here is an owl. <laughs> and I, I've got a little hamster. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, but I think it's a brilliant experience for children. You know, the education. I mean, we've always been big on the education side of things. We've always gone into schools and educated children on 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 birds of prey, and you know, because like I've said to you before, it's very important to us that the you don't just have a, a bird for the sake of it. Do you know what I mean? It, a lot of hours are rescues, you know, where people took them on and they're not, they're not quite sure what to uh-huh. do with them, you know. So we don't just buy them in and keep them in captivity. Um, the welfare of them is, is very, very important. And that's always been a strong thing within our family. Uh-huh. No, that's amazing. I think, um, I think we're pretty blessed in this country because we've got such a range of, native birds of prey and i think we are so lucky and so yeah. with the range that we've got and the size you know going from the tiny wee owls all the way up um i did as i say i do like going to watch these bird of prey displays and there was one that i went into years ago tidworth and i can't remember 
um, the organisation down there. There's a, it's an Andover. It's a really big bird of prey centre. And they did um, a Christmas. They did Owls by Moonlight. And that was fantastic. And had, it was a, a night, uh, Moonlight. So it was a nighttime event in the winter. It was bloody freezing. Um, mm. Had the owls coming out by moonlight. It was just like a couple of spotlights. And that was amazing. And they did it to classical music. And it was all, it was so eerie because you can't hear them. And they're just like yeah. ghosts appearing on the field. It was stunning. Um, and I've handled eagle owls. Yeah. So I'm, I've, I do like owls. I just, I just love birds of prey. I'm so, um, I'm not normally this scatty, but I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this is so good. This is so cool. So, <laughs> I know. I know I could just sit here and go, tell me about birds. They're awesome. So what about the dog side? So you do things away from the birds as well? Yes, I do. So um, I do behavioural consultations. Um, I have um, general pet dog classes. I have, the gem I have a pet dog class, but then I have a class for working breed dogs. Um, so they can have an outlet for that. So they're just pet dogs, pet dog owners, um, but it gives the dogs an outlet for natural behaviours. So basically we train them as, you know, as, as gun dogs. The bad never want to go on a shoot or anything like that, yeah. but the dogs just enjoy it, which is what it's all about, isn't it, really? It is. Um, you know, most, most dogs, even if they go picking up or, or beating, you know, pretty much uh, most of the year, 90, 95% of the year, they are pets. And yeah. you have to get them, you, you know, train them in a way that their breeding dictates. And it yeah. makes them much more contented, doesn't it? Well, yes, definitely. Well, it, all, it came about this because I was, I was seeing a lot of behavior cases there was actually frustration yeah. from dogs that didn't have an outlet for natural behaviors mm -hmm. and then this is how it came about with the with the class for, for doing that because it wasn't really a behavior case as such it was it was just more frustration from the dog yeah. can you see what i mean and yeah, and educating the owners on what the needs of the dogs are so so that's how that came about. And then it was the same with the daycare, actually, because um, because on here, you see, we've got um, fully enclosed paddocks. Um, we've got goats and chickens and things like that. So we Great. get the dogs used to livestock and, you know, and that type of thing. So if there's, there's dogs that have problems around livestock, we've got some um, milk-fed goats and things like that. So they're very dog, over-dog friendly, actually. They can walk on a lead, actually. <laughs> my, my daughter's trained on a loose lead I hope with a clicker <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was quite funny shaking the buckets goes and walking around but but yeah because so I, I think it's important that obviously as part of training you know not just for working breeds but all pet dogs get used to livestock and things so so that's as, as part of it uh -huh. and then I've got a large indoor training facility as well so we can train indoors and outdoors and then i've got the daycare facility that runs on here um and like i say that is set up to provide a lot of mental stimulation for the dogs yeah. so they come and they get their social skills obviously i've assessed the dogs in advance before they come in so i know what you know i know what they're like from a personality temperament point of view so we can match them up appropriately um yeah. I get a lot of working breeds that come, so they're very sort of busy little dogs. So that's why we've got the digging pits and we've got the water. And there's all sorts of different activities we set up for them uh, yeah. while they're here and they can enjoy having a nice day.
then some of them will have a training session while they're here. They'll do one-to-one training sessions, either with the owners or I'll do it with the dogs and I'll video record it and set homework for the owners. So we do, you know, we do quite a lot of different things on the farm, but um, it's all done as a family. Like I say, my mum, she does daycare um, with my sister. Kelly uh-huh. um, and Carl he runs the breeding pro- programs with the birds and he flies the birds alongside my dad and then me and my dad we do the training together uh-huh. god that's amazing and whereabouts are you based Clay? Uh, we're, Lincoln, we're Lincolnshire way we're Gainsborough okay that's great and, so, and do you do, you do yeah. um, I'm assuming uh, by the nature of the work all you dog bird work and your lessons is all one one do you do do you do lessons for people with their birds do they bring their birds to you and you do lessons with them oh yes yeah so i'll have yeah so we definitely will have people that have birds and they're either wanting to do some work with the bird or they've got a bird and they're wanting a dog you know and they're wanting to learn how to to bring their dog on um we do that um so yeah so we we do we do all that element of it as well um, we do programs where the dogs will come in and stay in with us, you know, either with the, the bird work or with the training side of things. And we do um, videos for the owners and things like that. So the learning um, carries through and handover sessions. So we offer quite a lot, a range of things on the farm, really. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we really, and it's lovely to work as a family, you know, um, you know, and all do it together. It's nice that. I, th- I think that. So, be really good so do you um do you do taster days as well so, so so for people like me who um who's just got this real interest you know i love my gun dogs but i've got an interest in birds as well do you do you do anything like that where people can come along with you as you work your dogs so get an insight into it see if it's something they well with? yeah well we, it's not something we've offered previously but it is something we're looking at doing i mean the plan was obviously this winter but with, with obviously all this lockdown situation we're not quite sure how that will pan out um but our plan was to do something like that this winter but if we can't obviously do it this winter then we'll do it next hunting season and do it like that but yeah because i do think people will like to come and see i think it's nice for people to see the dogs and birds working together because it's nice and natural and that you know what i mean i think it's nice for people to see that and understand that yeah and i think um i mean certainly from a dog trainer's perspective i can remember going on my first um falconry day you know because i started because i started at uh, center parks uh, when my son was the baby so it must have it must be about 23 24 years ago now right first handling experiences um, at Centre Parks and just talking to them and the way that they work with the birds you, you know is a great um, it's a real insight into like conditioning you, you know you know like true conditioning because going back then the gun dog trainers weren't always the gentlest of trainers yes yeah you know? and so to see somebody handle a bird in a way, because if you, you, you can't get across to the birds of prey because they just kind of take off, don't they? And, oh, yeah. and, and so it's, I think for anybody who's looking to train dogs, they could learn a lot from like falconers really because of the relationship that they have to develop with the bird and the way they handle the bird and just um, 
you know, the, the timing of the rewards and the phasing of the rewards. And so as a, as a dog trainer, I found it really, going back all of those years, I found it quite um, not mind-blowing, but not far off. It's like, oh, my God, the timing is absolutely spot on. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and the timing of, will we let them have the lure this time or will we not let them have the lure this time and kind of phasing that out as well. Yeah. Progress the bird and extend their training. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, in the dog world, and I don't know if, if you will agree or not, but what I find is an over, at the minute, definitely an over-reliance on, on treats. And, oh, and, yeah. oh, you totally agree then. So what's happened is the pendulum has swung from being very firm with dogs and making dogs do as you want them to do. And we've gone too far the other way now. We've gone oh, too far yeah. constantly feeding the dogs. And I think a lot of it comes from, um, and, and not just people, but trainers as well is they don't see the training all the way through. So they might go to a couple of classes with a really well-known trainer. And so they're learning the timing of treats, but what they're not doing is hanging around for the end of the course where they're learning how to phase the treats out yeah. appropriately and replacing it with like smiles and tickles. and, and yeah. I, I tell you what I find now, these, I suppose the best way to describe it is I don't see many teams around it's more you like um a feeder like the it's just the dog's only doing it for for the food the food mm -hmm. no, there's no it, they're like it's not in some situations it's not even a relationship no. it's like it's like it's like almost as if no relationship has been created because of it if that makes sense yeah it's the dog the, the dog's just in the mindset of what can I get out of this? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And when is she going to give me that sausage? Do you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Rather, rather than it being a team, you know, respectful thing where, you know, you're, you're part of this team together, which is what with birds, I mean, that's your number one thing. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have that trust. You've got to have that relationship. It's the thing that you start off with. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, it's that caring element, you know, when they're a tiny little chick and, you know, you're bringing them on and they're relying on you and you're caring for them. Do you know what I mean? It's, and, it, it's, and it, it's not just because you're constantly shoving food in. You, you're giving them, you know, exposure to lots of different things and they've got to trust you that that's okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not just because you're feeding them. Yeah. So, I've, 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 and what I see a lot of now, I don't know if you do, is like spoiled brat syndrome where the dogs are just barking or pawing or biting. Yeah. Attention seeking behavior just to get a treat. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I mean, I, I talk about a lady called Dee Stedman a lot in my books. You know, I, I'm, I'm constantly saying, you know, Dee taught me this, Dee taught me that. And Dee taught me balance because, um, I was trained by a behaviourist in New Zealand who's no longer with us now, Noel Hutchinson, and he did nothing with food. He, he didn't use any food and he didn't use any choice. And it was all about building that relationship. But, um, and, I, and because I did competition obedience as well as gun dog work. And so um, when I came home, I was still very much in the mindset if you don't use food and you don't use toys to train. And then I met Dee Stedman because um, I did try it, you know, when I was in New Zealand, I worked with a clicker trainer as well. And I just found it was too much food. And I found that the click 
the click I got in the way of the relationship that I had with my dogs. Um, and when I, I took Bob to my lab with me to New Zealand and the first thing they did was give me some mints to train with and Bob had never been food trained and his mind just went boom and he turned mm. into an absolute delinquent uh, with the food training. And so I pulled back on the food training and, and I found it very difficult to find that balance of um, being positive but not being permissive. And it was Dee Steadman who is she's a ticket handler, she competed with Crufts with her dogs the most phenomenal handler. And she helped me understand the importance of balance between food and toys and energy and rewards and, and that you can have um, food rewards and still have really, really strong immovable boundaries. And that was the missing piece for me, see? So I'd gone with somebody who was all about boundaries with yeah. not an awful lot of positivity and I'd also been with somebody who was all about positivity and very little boundaries. And D for me was that missing link, you know. She yes. taught me you can be positive, but you can still have boundaries. And so I class myself as a positive but not permissive. I'm a I'm a positive trainer, but I am not permissive. I think that's a good way of explaining it, to be honest. Because I I mean, like I said, obviously, you know, I was brought up, you know, with the old fashioned dog training ways because that's how it was when I was young um you know and you certainly you know wouldn't want your dog to be running in on your bird and and things like that you know so there was sort of it was a no messing approach um and that's how it was always seen as being done but obviously since I've developed over the years and learned more about behavior and things like that and the new ways of training I sort of I don't know how to explain it but I sort of just molded away my ways if, if you know what I mean and I don't I mean but I, I do agree in the fact that the, I mean and I think as well it's looking at what is a reward to that dog so 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 for example I mean my little cocker you know she's out and about she's not interested in sausage or cheese or anything like that she just wants to hunt yeah you know and she hangs off my words i mean if i say to her she's a good girl she's like oh my god she says I'm a good <laughs> yeah i do that i go who's a good dog and the pair of them come running over and say yeah <laughs> i mean to her that's like the most important thing and i've built that up you know but if i tried to hand her a sausage she'd be like why are you trying to give me a sausage yeah. do you know what i mean i'm busy hunting so it's it's like you've got to whereas like with my with my busy you know, he'll do anything for a sausage. He's like, oh, you know, that's his, that's his ultimate thing. And yeah. um, when he was trained, I mean, now it's not, it's retrieving. But, you yeah. know, when, when he was a young dog, yeah. that was his biggest thing. So I think you've got to look at the individual dog uh-huh. and think, right, what is important to that dog? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not just a breed thing. It's an individual dog thing, you yeah. know. And, and what is their ultimate reinforcer? And then build your bond and your relationship around all that as well do you know what i mean i think it's sort of like a mountain to climb it do you know what i mean but you've just got to take your time over it and understand your dog and i think whatever people just relax looking at food they're not looking at the dog they're not they're not and i i mean i had um like angus would really like a neck massage so if he did a good job i used to give him a really really firm neck massage and he was just melting with it you know yeah and I think as a you know as a trainer of other people like like yourself 
I think it's easier to get people to get the concept using a bit of food, you know, when they're first training a safe yeah. food and down. So when you're first introducing an exercise, it's easier to teach somebody else to train their dog using food to do that exercise. Yeah. But the thing that then a lot of people miss is not getting rid of the food. You know, use yeah. the food as a lure to start off with, then use it as a reward, then use it as a distraction, and then use it yeah. as a story. Yeah. People on, they're not, and, and I, I don't know if it's because they're not seeing the whole courses all the way through or there's too much um, social media influence. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And it's, I think there's a lot of the dogs. It's not no, no, and I think a lot of it is is well is what I see a lot of is is treating them for nothing. Oh yeah. I mean, they just like for, like for, I mean, from a working dog point of view, they want to do something, don't they, for everyone? Do you know what I mean? And, but I see a lot of people just treating for no reason whatsoever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, but because they're doing that, they're forgetting to give the dog a little stroke. Or, do you know what I mean? Chill out with them a little bit. Get them away. They're so focused on, on you know, putting treats into their mouth, they're missing that, so, you know, that bonding element of having a dog, yeah. I think. And the little nuances of behaviour as well, you know, it's just like a look, a smile, a tickle. Yeah. Just, just that lovely um, eye contact with love. You, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, dog and just you know yeah I mean over the years I mean like you know I, I mean when I first started like I say when I first started the Cambridge I mean the fact that people even had the dogs inside was strange to me mm. you know so I've sort of had to come you know I've gone sort of all the way way through it and I've had to sort of find a way through it and there's some things where I think actually I don't agree with that. And some things I think, you know, I do agree with, but I think it's finding your way through it all and getting the right balance for the dog that you're training. Um, I think, I think that's, that's, I mean, obviously I don't use any of the traditional methods anymore, but you know, I'm also on the mindset that there's a lot of the situations now where people are afraid to say no to the dog. Yeah, I know. You know, and, and you see a lot of behavioral problems because of that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sort of very aware of that as well. And you and it's difficult as well because on social media, if you if you speak out and you say, well, you know, you should really be saying no to your dog. Oh, I can't say no. And then you yeah. have you have this massive um, yeah. warrior lash back. She's saying no. She's saying she's really yeah. Evil. All of a sudden, you're a negative yeah. trainer just and by just, saying no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So, it's mad. Yeah, it is something that I've sort of um, you know struggled with over the time in sort of getting how and how you you come across as well because like i say people are so quick to um pull you down for it now and i don't think you know teaching your dog that no is no and having some boundaries is negative i think actually it's helpful for the dog i mean it is because dogs are intrinsically pack animals and you know people will be going oh my god it's not a dog pack anymore you know the whole thing about you're not your dog's owner or your dog's leader you are your dog's guardian which is something that I find like actually according to the law, I own my dog. Mm. Um, I would actually take really good care of my dog because not only because I own it, but because I'm in charge, you know, which makes me the leader. So I find the whole semantics about it um, very difficult. But, you know, when you look at the dog's intrinsic uh, behavior, it's part of a pack and, and any animal that lives in a social group 
will have a hierarchy and will have rules to that hierarchy to make sure that the pack survives. Because if there was no yeah. one, it wouldn't survive. No, and if you live in a multi-dog household, you can't just go letting them all do what, what they want. You know, it's, it's not, not a free-for-all. You know, you don't... I develop, can you imagine, you know, with all mine, I mean, you know, HPR spaniels, I'd have, I'd have all on kids, birds, I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> But they do. I mean, I've seen dogs that jump up. I mean, I saw a working cocker once. I was sitting talking to the owner. She brought the biscuits out. Next thing I knew, working cocker in the centre of the dining table. Oh, eating the biscuits. And I went, oh, so this oh. is the problem. <laughs> I have to be honest, I'm a lot better at training dogs and birds than I am children, though. I'm working on that. But <laughs> I find dogs and birds easier. <laughs> oh, man, I know. Especially at the minute. it's been such a joy talking to you I'm conscious that it's uh, I could keep talking to you for another hour easily we've been trying to show I believe it or not but I could easily talk for another hour Um, well you can always come down and you can always come and see us sometime you know that so you know thank you uh, I was I was holding on for you to say that (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness I didn't know what I was a bit nervous because I don't do things like this normally on the internet and things so I really I didn't know what to expect but I've enjoyed it so good I'm really glad and oh Claire it's just been joy honestly um birds of prey you know I would love to have a bird of prey I'd love to have a Harris hawk well get yourself set up we haven't got the we haven't got the room or the the land or anything you know I I I mean I would love to I mean at Tinto's which is one of the um, Graham Hills, is only about six miles. And so where I used to live in Wiltshire, we were constantly having kites and buzzards over the house, you know, whereas here, because we've got Tinto, I don't see as many of the the birds of prey because they're all over a Tinto hunting and animals, you know. And so I I really miss them. But I do go up to Cumbernauld and get my fix every couple of months and just sit and watch the birds of prey and watch the displays. It's such a lovely thing to be able to to get to a point where you've you've got your dog and your bird and yourself working as a team. It's it's nice to be part of a team. Do you know what I mean? And when you're out there and and you you're all working together, Uh I think it's there's nothing better than that. Do you know what I mean? For, for, for us as a family, because the dog's got an outlet for natural behaviours, the bird's getting an outlet for natural behaviours. You're there as part of the team of it. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just think it's so primal. I mean, it just takes us back to where we're yeah. going, really, doesn't it? It's just yeah. like, this is it. But like I say, what I would say, if anybody, you know, is wanting to start out with it, just make sure. You get all the information. Make sure you do it right. Take your time over it. Learn. Don't just jump in and think, oh, yeah, I want a bird. I'm, you know, I'm doing my dog. Take your time over it. Get some advice and learn how to do it properly so that both your dog and your bird does get the right outlet for the natural behaviours because that's the key thing. Yeah, that, that is great advice. I mean, I've hankered after Harris Hawk for like 20 years, but it's, it wouldn't be fair on the bird. It wouldn't. It, yeah. I, I haven't got the setup for it. I'll just keep getting my fixes elsewhere, and I'll definitely. Yes. <laughs> I will definitely come down. Yes. Point and see you. It'll just be amazing. Claire, thank you so much. It's been so educational, and um, it's just been a joy talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been Take lovely. care and stay safe. See you.
Yeah, same to you. Enjoy. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. No worries. Bye. Bye-bye.